This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A'udhu billahi s-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa la'udwana illa ala al-zalameen. Wa la'aqibatu dil-muttaqeen. Allahumma salli wa sallam mubarak ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasimin kathira. Welcome back to Quran 30 for 30. And alhamdulillah, we have with us tonight Dr. Rahman Amarji, who has not broken his fast yet, right? He's still, still hungry, right? Alhamdulillah. Hungry for the other. We're glad to have you back, Sheikh. And of course, Sheikh Abdullah, as always, alhamdulillah, who has broken his fast, alhamdulillah, here uh, 10 minutes away from me, alhamdulillah. <laughs> and, um, Inshallah, I just want to remind everyone before we get started, uh, I know that there's been a lot going out, uh, but tomorrow night will, tomorrow actually will be a special day, inshallah, and tomorrow night, inshallah, will of course uh, be the night, it'll be the first of the last 10 nights, one of the few years where moon sighting and calculations and everything goes together, so inshallah, tomorrow is the first of the last 10 nights, and Bidnullahi Ta'ala offers us a special opportunity, and we wanted to have everyone uh, prepared, inshallah, so tomorrow from 3 p.m. Eastern to 8 p.m. Eastern, inshallah, Ta'ala, there's going to be an all-day telethon uh, where different uh, members of the Yaqeen team will come on. We'll talk about what Yaqeen is doing as well as, inshallah ta'ala, prepping everyone uh, for the last 10 nights, inshallah ta'ala. So please do join us tomorrow. And then the last 20 minutes will be a collective du'a just as we go into the night, inshallah ta'ala. So please do make sure you join for as much of tomorrow as you can, inshallah ta'ala, and spread the word. Uh, I'll make sure that it's posted in the comments. And no, I don't moderate the comments. Someone... Uh, shows me the comments all right just so you guys know i'm not talking and moderating comments at the same time okay that's the the wonderful team that we have at yaqeen alhamdulillah which means sheikh abdullah dur is the one that's moderating comments of the oh record. okay <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. oh, i'm blessed okay <laughs> all right let's get started inshallah so just 20. uh the first page of juz 20 which is still the back <clears throat> of uh surah naman Probably one of the most beautiful sections that you find in the Quran. Uh, long uh, message of Is there any God besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? SubhanAllah, one of the most beautiful recitations to listen to and to really ponder upon where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about his majesty, speaks about the things that only he can do, speaks about our moments of vulnerability, either as individuals or as collectives. And how we turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah is our only refuge and Allah is our only rescue. So that is a, a beautiful, you know, last night we talked a lot about tadabbur, uh, reflecting on the Quran as an individual. Uh, there is nothing that I could give you of tafsir that would make that just a, 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 the most beautiful experience ever if you just sit with it alone, inshallah ta'ala. That section of about seven ayats where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah. Is there any God besides Allah? Inshallah, we'll talk about uh, one of those instances in this juz tonight, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, in verse 89 of Surah An-Naml, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Man ja'a bil hasanati falahu khayru minha, wa hum min faza'in yawma idhin aminun. That uh, whoever brings forth good, then they will have good that will return to them. They will have a greater good that awaits them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions particularly uh, safety from shock and the, the faza', the shock of yawm al-qiyamah, the shock of the day of judgment. And there's a, a great connection here to the story of Musa alayhi salam, as well as to the previous surahs. If you realize all of the previous surahs that we've gone through over the last couple of nights in particular, 
begin and end with the disoriented people on the day of judgment, people that are regretful because they challenged the law subhanahu wa ta'ala to hasten the day of judgment. And when it came, you know, we then see the scenes of them disoriented and regretful for challenging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with that and Allah assuring the believers of safety uh, and security on that day. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala once again does that with another warning of punishment, by the way, right after this in verse 90. But uh, I want to connect this to Musa alayhi salam because Musa has a particular protection on the day of judgment. These surahs are all the layers of Musa alayhi salam. And I know both Shaykh Abdullah and Shaykh Uthman are going to talk about Musa alayhi salam in detail tonight, inshallah ta'ala. So I'm not going to spend too much time on that. But every single surah is giving us a new dimension of Musa alayhi salam. And one of them is that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam mentioned that uh, on the day of judgment, and it was a Muslim and a Jew that got into an argument in Medina. And the Muslim and the Jew basically got into an argument over whose prophet is better, Musa or Muhammad. Now, of course, to us, they're both our prophets, والسلام, in that we uphold their, the prophethood of both of them. So we should never uh, in any way in the course of, uh, of, of demonstrating our love and loyalty to Muhammad وسلم, disrespect another prophet of Allah. So in the midst of that argument, it got very heated. And, uh, and the Muslim transgressed against the Jew and the Jew complained to the Prophet وسلم, about that. And the Prophet وسلم, said, on the day of judgment, uh, when, when uh, I will be the first to be resurrected and I would go to the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I'm paraphrasing the hadith, and I would see that Musa salam, is already, Moses peace be upon him, is already hanging on to one of, uh, one of its legs. And so to, to suggest that Musa salam, was saved, as the Prophet وسلم, said, it could be that he was saved from the faza'ah from the shock, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, would not allow him to go through that twice. So the beautiful hadith about Musa Islam particularly being spared and given safety in a way that uh, no other person would be given safety. Now we get into Surah Al-Qasas. And my job for the next 10 nights, inshallah, is just to show the beautiful connection of these surahs to each other, because they're all so beautifully interconnected. Surah Al-Naman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَمَّنْ يُجِيبُ الْمُطَرَّ إِذَا دَهَا who is the one who responds to the desperate caller when they call upon him and removes the hardship that they feel? And subhanAllah, we fade into this surah and we have the trembling heart of the mother of Musa salam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comforting the mother of Musa salam, taking her baby and putting her baby uh, into, uh, into, the ta- into the tablet and, uh, and obviously... Uh, what takes place of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, rescuing Musa Islam or saving Musa Islam in a very vulnerable situation. A baby that is in the midst of the water that could easily drown, that could easily be kidnapped. So many things could happen to Musa Islam and Allah Azza wa not just removing the harm of Musa Islam or any hardship that would come to Musa Islam, but also Allah Azza wa comforting the heart of, of, of the mother of Musa Islam by allowing her to see her baby once again, right? So who is the one? that responds to the caller? Who is the one that hears our deepest secrets? Who is the one that sees our deepest vulnerabilities in our darkest moments? And Allah Azza wa answers those du'as in those moments. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does miracles for us in those moments. And subhanAllah, you see the connection right away between the, the surah prior and this surah. And uh, Allah Azza wa showing his complete power. Musa alayhi salam in this surah, the imagery is very powerful. Musa is a baby put in this in this small piece of the earth right or in the small in the small fragment uh, and then put into the water where he has no way to to protect himself and he's just a baby 
and Allah saves him and rescues him. Fir'aun is a powerful man with an army and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala drowns him, parts the sea for that same baby when he grows up, Musa Islam, and then drowns Fir'aun and his army, his arrogant, uh, his arrogant presence himself and of course the arrogant army that uh, Fir'aun had. So subhanAllah, think of the imagery of a baby floating in the, in, in the water in the river and then Fir'aun, this, this uh, tyrant, right? Drowning in the seas. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showing that he really is the one that's in charge at all times. A connection as well. In verse 56, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Innaka la man ahbat, You do not guide whom you love, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides whom he wills. And the previous surah, what did Allah say about our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa That you're, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. Because because you want them so badly to be believers, meaning your empathy is so deep, it pains you so much to see these people and what is taking place with them. And Allah connects it in this juz to the previous juz here as well. In Surah Al-Qasas, in the fifth verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, mentions that the reason why we go through tests and the reason why these hardships would happen to a person, because there's the perspective of the tyrant that's going to be punished and the, and the righteous that will be tested, and we know the end of the story is good for them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, that we wish to bestow our favor on those who are oppressed in the lands and make them into a imma, make them into leaders, and make them from al warithin, make them from the inheritors, meaning this is character building, this is faith building that we go through these trials and these tests to be purified and elevated. And so Musa Islam was not put through all of these different types of tests, the test of Fir'aun, the test of Bani Israel, the test of being in Madian, the test of a loss of direction, the all of these different things, the test of trying to understand and comprehend when talking to Al-Khadr. Musa was not put through these things except to further elevate him, alayhi salam. And that is the case for the believers. What is Surah Al-Ankabut? The next surah start off with Allah says, do people think they just see they just say we believe and they're not tested? And we have tested those who came before you, and through that, through that, the truthful shine and the liars or those that are uh, uh, those that, that do not have. Um, integrity, those that are not truthful to the message that has come to them are humiliated as a result of that. So we are shown in our true colors as a result of the fits and as a result of the test. And Allah gives tests to the believers to grow them, to grow them in their faith and to grow them in their character. So Surah Al-Qasas, you have that. And then you have Surah Al-Ankabut, a connection between verse 5 and verse 2. And then I'll end with, with this, inshallah ta'ala, uh, the other side of this. Okay. Uh, Haman and Fir'aun. Haman and Fir'aun. Haman, of course, is the right hand of Fir'aun. And he, this is the example of what we saw in Surah Al-Furqan in the previous juz. Two evil people fighting on the Day of Judgment, uh, particularly the regret of the one who followed along. Imagine how many people would be looking at Fir'aun with Haman at the top of them and saying, why did I listen to him? Why did I follow him? Why did I believe him? Why was I intimidated by him? Why was I not afraid of his Lord and my Lord, right? And the regrets and the remorse that we talked about last night. Imagine Haman and Fir'aun. And you have here examples of three men who think they have power, but they actually have nothing. So this is the other side of this, in Surah Al-Qasas. And I want you to pay very close attention because it ties beautifully into Surah Al-Ankabut, 
just like the previous example that I gave. Three men that are mentioned in the surah, and then Sheikh Abdullah and Sheikh Uthman can talk about Musa salam in greater detail. Fir'aun is the dictator who has a false sense of security in his own power. He's a dictator who has a false sense of security in his own power. Haman is the enforcer of the dictator who has a false sense of security in the power of his master, right? So Haman is taking security in Fir'aun's power. Like, I'm good, I can be as brutal. And you often find that the general of a dictator is worse than the head himself, right? Just completely takes everything into their hands to be a butcher because they know that they have immunity from the one that commands them, right? So they take shelter and security in the power of the one that's above them. And with Haman, it's only Fir'aun. And then Qarun, whose false sense of security and power comes in what? His wealth one of the wealthiest people to ever walk the face of the earth. And all three of them find absolutely nothing. And that's verse 41 of Surah Al-Ankabut. <laughs> verse 41 of Surah Al-Ankabut, مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ اتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَوْلِيَا كَمَثَلِ الْعَنْكَبُوتِ اتَّخَذَتْ بَيْتَ وَإِنْ أَوْهَنَ الْبُيُوتِ لَبَيْتُ الْعَنْكَبُوتِ لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ That the case of those who took other than Allah as their protectors is like a spider who constructs its home. But the frailest of all homes is the spider web, is the spider's house, if only they knew. And the ulama mentioned the spider's web, if you get caught in it, if you're a bug or mosquito, you get caught in it, you can't get out of it. You would think it's the strongest thing ever. It is stronger than steel. You know, the science behind the spider's web is so fascinating. It is impossible for that which is caught in a spider web to get out. But then a little bit of water comes. You just do this and you ruin the spider's web altogether. So it gives a false sense of power and security, but it's really nothing. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is everything. Allah is always in charge when we seek that power, when we seek that security in Allah Azza wa Jal, who overwhelms us at all times with his power. So inshallah ta'ala with that, I'll hand it off to Shaykh Abdullah to talk about the story of Musa Islam in some greater detail. Jazakallah khairan. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa la amaba. Uh, the story of Musa, subhanAllah, in the chapter of Qasas, as we know, Qasas means narrations or stories. Uh, and this is a beautiful, as we know, uh, the chapter or the stories of Musa or snippets of the life of Musa is found throughout the Quran. But in this chapter, it's very extraordinary because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kind of gives you uh, a history of Musa, like the childhood. You know, how you watch those movies, it shows when they grew up as a child and what they went through and then where they reached. Well, here I want you to focus on, I'm going to talk about verse number 10, but in the beginning of Qasas, really starting from verse number seven all the way to 13 is something extraordinary. And I want to share this with you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Moses' mother when Moses was a baby, because at this time, you know, there was a year that Fir'aun had a dream that there would be a young man or a, a, a youth that would take over his throne and his power. So what he decided to do that year was to eliminate all of the young boys and to leave the women as, as servants for them. So any young boy at that time that was alive, he would do away with them, he would exterminate them. But Musa alayhi salam's mother being aware of this was, was scared. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off in verse number seven, when he says, after a'udhu billahi min shaytan rajim wa awhayna ila ummi Musa an ardi'i. In this verse, Allah orders Moses' mother with two things and then promises her two things. He says here, And we inspired the mother of Moses to suckle him or to breastfeed him. And if you were to be, have fear, 
or, or be, have fear for him or be scared for him because of Fir'aun. Then to throw him in the river. And this is the Nile River, as some of the Mufassirin mentioned. Yam is actually a, an abundant sea, right? But here, the scholars have mentioned that he, she was instructed to put him in a tabut, as we see in the chapter of Taha. To put him in a, like a wooden box. To put him in this tabut and to put him in the Nile River. So those are the two things. To breastfeed him, to suckle him, and to put him in the Nile River. I want you to remember the suckling for, because that's very relevant here. So he says, put him in the Nile River. And then he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, And do not, have, do not have fear, nor shall you grieve. So here, he says, do not have fear, nor shall you grieve. Fear in the beginning of the action, before the action, and grief after the action. He says, don't have fear, nor shall you grieve. Why? That verily we will return him to you. That's the promise. And that's the second promise. We will return him to you, but not only that, he will be a messenger. Someone that the message has been given to him. Mursaleen, the message has been given to them. So now this is the promise that Allah gives Moses' mother. But Moses' mother is a human being. And a human being, we have certain characteristics. And subhanAllah, Allah addresses this characteristic in verse number 10. When he says, So the heart of the mother of Moses became empty. What does it mean, became empty? And it's interesting how Allah says became empty. And he doesn't mention it was empty of what? Because when we understand the context, Allah told her to do an action that increases the connection between the mother and the child. Nothing like that. As soon as they're born, Allah has provided the mother with something to feed the child, which is the best form of food, which is the milk of the mother. So that connection is there. Then Allah says, Al-Qihi fil So now her heart is empty. Empty of what? Empty of the love of Moses, the, the looking at Moses, all of this connection with Moses. So Allah doesn't even mention it. And that's for you to understand. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, uh, in she was this close. Kadat is like almost and to make it apparent of who she was, or to say, look, I want my son back. Because what happened was when she put him in the sea, in between these verses, you'll see that the wife of Fir'aun, Fir'aun's people captured Moses, and the wife of Fir'aun pleaded for Fir'aun. She or to Fir'aun to keep Moses. So they kept him in their, in their uh, space with them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that her heart became empty. And then Allah says something beautiful. She was about to say something, but if it wasn't for the fact that we that we tied her heart or made her heart, means to tie something. So if we tied her heart, her qalb, meaning to be from the believers. Why? Because, you know, some scholars, is difference of opinion on here, but the relevance of, you know, because the first heart that he said, that her heart became empty, the word was fu'ad. The second heart that he said was qalb. And fu'ad is that scholars say, it gets hot and it's, 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 it's very, it's heated. It, you know, it has strong emotions. But when we say qalb, you see some scholars mention qalb li anhu yataqallab. Oh, because it flips. 
you're happy, you're sad, you're emotional, you're, you know, you're, you're full of joy. So Allah says, رَبَطَنَا عَلَىٰ قَلْبِهَا لِتَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ To keep her patient. But you notice he didn't punish her for almost, you know, telling and revealing what the situation was. It's natural for a mother to have that worry for her child. And that's what's so beautiful about this verse. And Allah uses the two types of understanding of the heart because the first one, her heart became heavy because she missed her son. And then after that, Allah, and that's why the Prophet says, Allahumma thabbit qalbi ala dinik. Thabbit qalbi ala dinik. Do not let it go to the left or to the right. Keep it firm upon your religion. So she had to stay firm in this situation, even though it was difficult. What's beautiful, because right after that verse, she tells her daughter, Moses's mother, which was a sign of which was a sign that she was sound and her heart was firm. Instead of just grieving, she came with a plan. She said, she said, go and spy and find out where he is. You know, look at where he is. In any case, the last we see in verse number 10, she, uh, she pleaded and she found out, subhanAllah, when she saw Moses, she saw that they were trying to feed Moses as a young baby. So they brought different maidservants to try to breastfeed Moses and Moses refused. He would not want any breast milk. So her sister came and she said, I know someone. And it happened to be none other than Moses' mother. So subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 10, So we restored him with his mother that her eye may be comforted, that he, the comfort of her eye has returned and that she might not grieve. And to know that the promise of Allah is true. But most, but most people do not even know. So subhanAllah, Allah, the first command he gave her was the key to bring Moses back, but she didn't know at the time. She didn't know, subhanAllah. So Allah brought her back because of what he ordered in the beginning. In conclusion, brothers and sisters, when we look at what Allah orders us to do, know that it is only for our own benefit because he loves you more than anyone else. He loves you more than anyone else. And he will provide for you in ways that you will not imagine. And this story in the beginning of this chapter is so beautiful because it's the epitome of love and affection. The epitome of love, and when you look at any example of the prophets, Allah gives you the epitome of success, the epitome of sadness, the epitome of oppression. So looking at this, subhanAllah, if you have the opportunity with your families tonight, if you haven't, read with your families, Salatul Isha Tarawih, to read these verses, you know, verses number seven to verses number 10, roughly about the story of Moses and how Allah constructed just by breastfeeding as the key to bring uh, Moses back with his mother. May Allah reward us and reward uh, them for their struggle. And may Allah make, uh, make us of those that trust in Allah as Moses' mother did. Jazakumullah khairum. Jazakumullah khairum. right? That's the constant theme. Is, is there really anyone but Allah, right? So keeping that tawakkul. So it's a beautiful story. And Dr. Rahman, bismillah. Bismillah wa salatu wa salam wa rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa Inshallah, I'd love to pick up where Shaykh Abdali left off. Um, before I do, just kind of, I just want to put Surah Qasas again, just kind of in uh, its place, because I feel like there's so many chapters about Musa salam that sometimes we forget about kind of the centrality maybe of Surah Qasas within this. Um, one of the things that I find beautiful about the Surah is that it was very similar um, to Surah Yusuf in many ways, and that they were both revealed in Mecca 
before the Hijrah. And they were both examples for the Prophet Muhammad and foreshadowing to him and the companions of what the future was going to hold. It reinforced the idea of how oppressed people Allah comes to the aid of those who are oppressed. And it also reinforces how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has his way of dealing with the oppressors. And I think about, again, going back to Musa's uh, Yusuf's story, how many parallels Allah draws in this surah from Qasas to Yusuf's story, and then, of course, to Prophet Muhammad's life. So um, Yusuf was taken away from his family in Palestine, and then he had to resettle in Egypt. And that's because his brothers had plotted to kill him, eventually throwing him in the well. Musa, salam, we find in this story, he's forced to flee from his family and homeland, as we'll talk about, to Median for 10 years before returning to Egypt. That's because Fir'aun plotted to kill him. And then this is again foreshadowing to Prophet Muhammad that he will have to flee from his beloved land of Mecca, his family, uh, to go to Medina before he comes back one day victorious in Mecca. And that's because Quraysh had plotted to kill him. Uh, and subhanAllah, one of the verses that's so beautiful that I want to touch upon is verse number 85 in the surah. And this again shows the love that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has for the Prophet Muhammad And the same way that Allah told Musa's mom that inna raduhu ilayki that in the same way we will return Musa to you, Allah tells Muhammad at the end of the, of the story that pay attention to what happened to Musa because just like he went back to his family, Allah says, Inna ila that indeed the one who has imposed this Quran upon you, revealed this Quran to you, O Muhammad, indeed that same, your, your creator, he will return you to the place of return, which many Mufassirin say is Mecca. So this is a glad tiding to Prophet Muhammad Qasas, that be patient because all these trials and tribulations, there is success at the end of it. Um, the, what I want to speak about was jumping from what Sheikh Abdullah spoke about in terms of the childhood of Musa, because Musa's child, the story, the story is amazing because it's got scenes. Allah does not give us the whole story in Qasas, but he breaks it up in different chapters. And here we learn only about Musa's childhood. And then we don't know anything about actually his infancy. We don't hear anything about his childhood or his adolescence all the way until he's adult. And I'll pick it up when he actually has to flee um, his homeland because he was in the middle of breaking up a fight. And in doing that, he accidentally killed a man. And then he's rushing off to the land of Median. And that's what I wanted to focus on right now where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, قال عسى ربي أن يهديني سواء السبيل. I want us to just think about the situation that Musa was in. Musa was told by somebody that people are are plotting. Musa, uh, yeah, Musa, that yeah, that Fir'aun in the Malaa يأتمرونك بك ليقتلوك فخرج إني لك من الناصحين. That people are plotting to kill you. The politicians, you better get out of here. Musa, despite being so beloved to Allah, he's not yet a prophet, but he's a righteous man, has to leave without any food, without any water, without saying goodbye to his family, without packing his bags. And he heads off, inspired by Allah to head to Median. Why Median? He really has no idea. It's an inspiration from Allah. He doesn't even know how to get to Median. All he says is that, Perhaps Allah will guide me to the path. And as Mufassirin mentioned, some of them said this took weeks and weeks to get to Median. It's hundreds of miles away. It's on the eastern shore of the of the Red Sea, where Allah says, That we are now brought to Musa's arrival in Madian. And it's Allah says, and when he arrived at Madian, he was there at the well of Madian. He saw a group of people who were feeding, uh, trying to give water to their animals. So imagine Musa, hungry, thirsty, exhausted. He's been eating leaves only on his entire journey. There's no food he had. He comes across this well sees people feeding their, their animals. 
And then he looks to his side and he sees, He sees two women who are holding back their flock of sheep. So what Musa does here is amazing, subhanAllah. Usually people in the most difficult times of their life, all they think about is themselves. How am I going to put food on my table? How, what am I going to do to get some risk? How am I going to get a place to sleep tonight? I need just to take care of myself. myself. He says, He goes to these two women who are obviously you know, not doing something normal. They should have been feeding their animals. And he says, what is happening to the two of you? What's your story? And the two of them respond, they They tell him why. They says, look, we are not going to get in the middle of all these men. They said, we are not going to feed our animals until these men finish their feeding. And this is because our man, our father is an old man. He can't do it. We have to do it. So you see here, subhanAllah, Musa, what he does, tired, exhausted, hungry, doesn't make a difference. This is beautiful, subhanAllah. Musa alayhi salam, it's this, you, you see, subhanAllah, the sense of justice within him. You see the, uh, the honor in him and the sign of an honorable person is their willingness to do what is right, even when it's not convenient. They rush to being in the service of others despite their own needs. There is a deep sense of justice in Musa here that erupts at the smallest injustice that he sees. And despite his own psychological urge for food and water and security, his urge for justice to help these two young women was that much stronger. And so he goes, he gives them the water. They take off. He didn't ask them for anything. And he's exhausted and he goes underneath a tree. He finds a shade. He puts up his hands to Allah. And he says, oh Allah, I am in desperate need of whatever good you have. Ya Allah, inni lima anzalta min Whatever good you can give me, I'm in desperate need of that. And you see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he loves somebody, how he responds to their dua. And he responded immediately. The next verse is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, So Allah says that, and one of them came, one of those two women came back upon modesty. And as the ulama mentioned, she walked with modesty, she spoke with modesty, which tells us again, one of the lessons, for a chivalrous man and a good woman can communicate. It's not haram to speak to someone of the opposite gender, but you do it with modesty, that you don't speak in an inappropriate way, you dress in an appropriate way. And she comes and she tells him what, what's going on. This is the answer of the dua, that that my father is calling to recompense you for that which you have done for us. And when he goes back and he tells the story, as Allah says, uh, Allah mentions, so Musa goes now to the father of these two girls, tells him what has happened, and he tells Musa, don't worry. You are far away from the jurisdiction of Fir'aun. You're at peace with me. You're not going to be in trouble. And then I'll quickly close with saying what happened next. SubhanAllah, the wisdom of this young girl. And this shows, subhanAllah, again, the, you know, as, as one of the Sahaba mentioned, that three people had a tremendous foresight. You know, one of them was Abu Bakr, right? And, and how he dealt with, with, with Omar and becoming in, in, in that. One is the companion of Yusuf, and one was the daughter of this man who recommended his father, her father to hire Musa. Her fa- as Musa narrated the story, his, the daughter interjects and tells the dad, hire this man, right? That you will not find anyone better to hire than the one who's strong and the one who is honest and trustworthy. And again, now Allah's dua comes true. 
when, when, when Musa asked that Allah, I'm in need of your goodness, I'm in need of something good. Allah sent the girl to bring him back to her father. The father hears a story, right? Now the, 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 the daughter wants to hire Musa to do the job that she's been doing, but there's more. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends the family for Musa, where now the, the, the dad, who some, uh, most of the scholars say is Shu'aib, now comes the, this is the kicker. SubhanAllah, you think you're a foreigner in a land. No water, no food, no job, no shelter. And you do one good deed by seeing two women who were being wronged by these men. He intervenes and now he's offered what? A job, he's got a household and he's now being offered somebody in marriage. And the verse says, and these are verses numbers, um, I've spoken today about 22 all the way to 27. And this is ayah number 27 where, where the Shuaib says, indeed, I want to marry you to one of my daughters on the condition that you work for me for eight years. And if you want to do 10, then that's great. And I don't want to be too difficult on you. And Musa accepts this. So what I want to close in, you know, with what, what I'm speaking about today is by saying, subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the way he answers dua, we will never really fully understand it. Our job is simply to do what's right in any circumstance. So in this circumstance, it's like, I'm tired, I'm hungry. I'm going to do what's right. And Allah's, the results are upon Allah. He's going to bring me the food. He's going to bring me the family. He's going to bring me the shelter. And I want to close with saying that, remember whenever, and this, none of this is take away from Musa's greatness, that Allah loved Musa, but he dragged him through difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. Being acute, being, you know, threatened to be killed by Pharaoh's people, traveling hundreds of miles to a foreign land, having no food and water to drink. But ultimately, the victory of Allah is near and the love of Allah is near to his messengers and those who are righteous. So that when next time, inshallah, when we are in a circumstance where life gets tough and we're taken through all kinds of adventures that you know we might not like at the time, to perhaps remember that Allah might be trying to elevate us in these moments and that we might need to go through these things to gain the empathy and the foresight needed to succeed in, in life. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to see the Qur'an with the insights that it has, and that we inshallah learn from the message of these prophets, Musa, uh, Yusuf, and of course, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Jazakallah khair. Subhanallah, you're, you're, one of your, the sayings you mentioned, uh, one of my favorite sayings, Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, Aflas al-Nasi The three people of the greatest insight were three. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, Umar, when he chose Umar radiallahu anhu, he saw Umar as the, the befitting Khalifa. And then Al-Aziz when he said, Akrimi Mathwa, the, the companion of Yusuf al-Islam and, and Musa al-Islam. It's a beautiful saying. And subhanAllah, you can't help but wonder in the journey of Musa al-Islam, uh, the, the scene of Moses about to split the sea and his people say, Inna la mudrakun, we're, we're in trouble, we're done. There's no way we're going to get out of this. What does he say? Inna Rabbi Ma'iyah My Lord is with me, he will guide me. And here, the, the first chapter of Musa salam, when he has to go to Madian, Allah is going to guide me. And the last, this, this or, or probably the most consequential part, right, where the one that he was warned about in the first chapter is behind him right now, literally with an army ready to kill him. And he says, Sayyidin, Allah will guide me. Mm. And that's 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 so beautiful, subhanAllah, that, that you bring that up. Jazakumullah khairan, may Allah reward you. Shaykh Abdullah, any final comment? Yeah, this, I mean, subhanAllah, when reading this chapter, just this, in this chapter of Qasas, it's four righteous women. SubhanAllah, you think about it. Moses' mother, his sister, Asiya, Fir'aun's wife, and one or maybe two, the two sisters that he encountered, maybe Shu'aib's daughters. 
subhanAllah. So it's, it's all of these women had a role to play within Moses' success in his life. And even you look at with the righteous mother and being obedient to Allah, how Allah will reward your children and your progeny, inshallah. It's amazing. Oh, man, you know you're going to get quoted on that and it's going to go viral on the internet, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Beautiful reflection. Inshallah. Inshallah, tomorrow... Uh, tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow, as we said, three to five, three to eight, sorry, three to eight, inshallah, Eastern. Tomorrow we'll be doing the Finish Strong uh, telethon. Please spread the word, inshallah ta'ala, and, uh, and, and invite other people. And then we'll have Quran 30 for 30. And to add another layer of content, inshallah ta'ala, at 2 a.m. Eastern, starting tomorrow night, every one of the last two nights, we'll have a short, uh, inshallah, I say short, hopefully short. I, I intend to make them about 20 minutes, uh, the qualities of Ibadur Rahman, the qualities of the servants, the most merciful, so you can take breaks in your Qiyam every night, inshallah, the last 10 nights, and just have a short reflection on the next quality of the servants, the most merciful. So again, tomorrow, join us from 3 to 8, inshallah, and then also for Quran 30 for 30 at 10, and then at 2, inshallah, ta'ala a.m., uh, where we'll be starting with the Ibadur Rahman series. And please do spread the word about the telethon. Jazakumullah khairan. We'll see you all tomorrow, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.